We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, welcome to PT Pinecast. We say is uh, great physical therapy con- uh, conversations on tap. Um, want to say thanks to our sponsors, CBDRX4U.com. It's your CBD store. Get the ABCs of CBD at their website, CBDRX4U.com. That's CBDRX, the number four of a letter U, not to be confusing, .com. Uh, also, our friends from MW Therapy, we're going to have these guys back on the show. Very tactical. If your EMR, EMR costs have grown out of control, if it's just a pain in the butt to use, I mean, you interact with your EMR more than you do with patients. You should actually like how that feels, how it looks, how it's set up. Um, time for something customizable. That's where MW Therapy comes in. Find out how you can take a demo of their EMR at mwtherapy.com. That is mwtherapy.com, where switching your EMR is easy. Uh, today's episode had a little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a uh, uh, an unexplained uh, absence. If you, if you follow us on social media, I was sharing a little bit, but not too much, uh, and the social media channels at PT Pinecast. Uh, but I figured we'd make this... Um, uh, edutainment, right? I can like make it educa- educational, but we'll make it real. And to do that, my first episode back after, I think the last episode released was like beginning of June as we record today, uh, mid to late July right now, we bring back friend of the program, Dr. Jamie Hagenbaugh. Jamie, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, always a, always a pleasure to be here, Jimmy. It's been a while. You and I have been texting. I feel yes. like I feel like you and I outlined briefly what's going to go on. And I've been thinking about this episode all day because I haven't recorded an episode in this could be the longest hiatus I've had since 2015. Oh, wow. Since the show started it's seven years for those mathematicians out there. We We take a break for a month in December. That's usually refreshing. That's four weeks. This is, this is coming up on, you know, six, six, eight weeks or something like that, where usually we do eight, 12 episodes. So I'll tell the story. Um, so my mom got sick in November, December. Mm-hmm. And for my mom, she wound up get like, she's a one upper. So she had like four, four insane things happen. And I did, I went back and forth. Like, am I going to talk about this? Am I going to tweet about it? And here's why, and I didn't a lot. And here's why it felt like you're trying to moderate, like monetize or like profit over like your mom. You know, it felt like it was like personal. But although while she was sick, I was like, this is really crazy stuff. People would benefit. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't, I ultimately didn't do it. So I need to tell the story. So she wound up feeling like she had like weakness in her legs, not tingling, but weakness. And all the PTs out there, especially the neuro, neuro and ortho PTs are going, whoa, that seems, that seems weird. So I did some screens on her, but I immediately was like, you need to go to your doctor. Like everything that she was telling me just seemed weird. It turned out that she had this weird myopathy. Um, anti H hang on. Anti HGMRC myopathy. I'd never heard of it ever. Had talked about people once we figured out what it is, but it took her like four weeks to figure it out. But essentially, all her muscle muscles were just crazy atrophying for no reason. Her CK levels, which normally are a few hundred, 400, I think is average. Her CK levels were like 9,000. And that's when your protein breaks down and your, your muscle breaks down. And now the protein is like in your blood as a waste product. And we were like, my mom's not out there doing CrossFit. She's not on Peloton crushing power zone max rides why is her muscle why are her muscles breaking down she couldn't get out of a chair went from like fine fully independent to like not being able to get out of a chair we finally figured out it's this myopathy they give her some treatment she winds up coming home she lives with me so i was like hey man that was a crazy month but hey it's january now let's go enjoy 2022 well she winds up getting a dvt so it's like all right because i keep i feel bad i keep saying like hey the Pass is the worst is behind us. We've passed this, whatever. So she gets a DVT, right? She's like complaining of pain in her calf. I'm like, well, red flag. You've been sitting around for the last month, pain in your calf. No bueno. We go back. They find a DVT. They find one in her leg and one and two in her lungs. It's like I'm like buy a lottery ticket because you are you're 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 hitting it here. So she gets medication. She's in the hospital for two days. There, she comes home. She winds up getting cleared to go back to work because she's like, get me out of this house. She sits around for a week or two at home. She's doing uh, PT. 
Her son is making her walk, which annoys her, and do stairs, which annoys her. But I'm like, this is how you get back to your life. Um, she winds up going back to work, and she goes back for four, I think it was four days. And on the Thursday of that week, she comes home early. Super not like my mom, but she's like, I'm just dizzy. I'm tired. I'm like, listen, you were just like on your butt for like a month. So you need to come home early. You come home early. Next day, again, I work from home. Next day, I wake up, see her in the hallway. We kind of do one of those, like, anything before, like, 8 a.m. I don't speak. I just kind of nod at people and grunt. So we do one of those in the hallway. She goes to get ready for the day, but she's not going to work. Still doesn't feel well. I wind up finding her an hour later on the floor of the bathroom. She had a stroke. So for those keeping score at home, crazy weird myopathy that's super rare, like one in 600,000 or something like that. Then the then the DVT, PE, then a stroke. Okay, she's airlifted. She gets a, a helicopter ride. Have, still haven't figured out what that, what that costs. We're waiting to get the bill on that ride, which she doesn't remember, which I think she should get a discount. If you don't remember the life flight, you get a discount. I agree. Um, she's in intensive care. She comes out of it. Cognitively, she's all there. But physically, uh, half her body is essentially flaccid, you know, not able to use her right side of her body. So right leg, eh, right arm, no, no good at all. We get her into rehab upstate New York in Poughkeepsie. Oh, and now I'm like, okay, we're on, we're on four of four right now, like four of four bad things, but this is it. We, you know, stroke, not a good thing, but we know what we're dealing with now. Right. So she's doing rehab in a specific rehab hospital. I'm visiting her like every day, every other day, and she's doing okay. They're pretty, they're optimistic that she's going to get some function back. But again, the, the, the shining, you know, the, the silver lining was cognitively, she was hundred percent there. So that's great. While she's there, because when you're in the hospital, you get scans on scans on labs on scans and everything. And they wind up saying, hey, uh, found some found some uh, some bright spots on a scan in your chest. So she's got they say it's cancer, but we they don't freak out. We don't freak out. We don't know what kind of cancer. And they're doing tests to figure it out. Long story short with the cancer, by the time they find out, I have to add this other crappy note, too. For all the healthcare providers out there, they'll they'll dig this one. Uh, they wind up saying it's. I wind up finding out it's it's stage four pancreatic cancer. So from there, from the day we find out the diagnosis to when she ultimately passed away was like three weeks, three and a half weeks, super quick. And the bonus, like ultimate, like punch of a nose was I found out on her discharge note what type of cancer and what stage. Like my cousin, who's a nurse, she's like, I am writing a sternly worded email once this is all over. Like, how do you do that? So what happened was she was being discharged from the rehab hospital to go to outpatient therapy to come home and live with me. And but she was going to spend some time in this in a nursing home to do more rehab. And that's when the nurse at the at like the nurse's station was like, well, your mom's got pancreatic cancer. And like I stopped. I was like, what? How do you know what kind it is? And she's like, it's in the discharge note. And I'm like, I've, I've never seen the discharge note. They didn't hand it to me. They just gave it to you. And she like was like, you could tell. She was like, oh, crap. I just said something I shouldn't. Maybe someone else should have told him. It wasn't me. And then later on, she's. I'm like, you know, I've got to make an appointment with an oncologist. And she's like, yes. And you need to give him this discharge note. And she had highlighted a few things that she thought I should know. Because obviously, she realized I knew nada. Yeah. And she was like, oh, by the way, it's stage four. And I was like, okay, this is also news upon news upon news upon news. So that was the story. So from, from, from diagnosis or from when we found of a diagnosis, I don't know when the, the rest of the team found of a diagnosis, um, was about three and a half weeks until she passed away. So, um, Oh, I forgot to do, uh, I forgot to ask the most important question. What are we drinking, Jamie? I mean, uh, Mylar bags from other half. You, my Mylar friend. bags. I am uh, because it's summer and it's 96 degrees where I am right now. As recorded, it's, it's, it's lemonade beer, line and Kugel summer shandy. So cheers to you, our friends at Owens Recovery Science, a single to source for PTs. To, our, to my mom, let's do to that. Yeah, to your mom. Uh, single source for PTs looking for certification for personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at OwensRecoveryScience.com. I will say, all of our sponsors reached out and sent like just great positive vibes and condolences and stuff like that. Once I was telling them, cause I had to let them know, Hey, I'm not recording episodes in June. 
July is not looking too good either. So, so that's what happened. So I hadn't recorded, wasn't obviously wasn't recording during this whole process because there's a lot going on. I was pretty much with my mom, like eight, 10, 12, 14 hours a day at the nursing home. I just didn't want to leave her. Nursing home was great. The care was great, but it's like, it's a nursing home. It's not acute care. It's not one-on-one. Um, so I was pretty much there. So I, my boss was awesome. He pretty much just said, do whatever you need to do. Be with your mom. That's the most important thing. So I did that. Um, and just spent the last, pretty much last three and a half weeks just with her. So anyway, but what brings us to today is I was like, how do I get, I was actually struggling. Like, how do I get back to, like, I didn't want to jump on my Monday morning zoom call with work. Not that I didn't want to, but I was like, it was awkward. I was like, and I went from, I was going from instead of zero to 60, I was trying to go from like trying to get back up to speed. And I didn't know how fast to do that. How do I jump back on a podcast where I'm supposed to be the goofy guy and be fun or, you know, at least, you know, funny to myself, entertain myself when you're not feeling like being entertaining. Right. And you and I were texting and talking throughout all this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was hard. And I was like, okay, but it needs to be real. I need to tell the story of what happened and explain and then I said, well, Jamie's somebody who knows me well enough and who was checking in on me throughout this. And there, a lot of people were asking, like Brian's sister, who's also a psychologist, like, hey, self-care, like, you know, I know you're taking care of your mom, so we'll get into that too. But yeah. I was like, I, I need the first episode back to be like, it needs to be like real. It needs to be functional, as a PT would say. So I was like, let's talk about like grief, loss, death. So essentially, this is gonna be like a lot, like a like a re, like a free. This is the way I get free therapy out of Jamie. Uh, yeah. What what did I go through? What am I going through? What and then everybody, a lot of people are like, so just so you know, stuff's still coming and it'll hit you. And I cried a half hour ago for no reason whatsoever. And well, I'm I know there's a reason. That there's well, yeah, yeah, that's the point. There is a reason. But what I mean, like there was no trigger. But I think that that's one of the things that when we're thinking about this, people will say a lot. There's no reason why. It's like, well, there's a reason. There's a huh. reason. And now it might yeah. not be something that like we can think of. And I didn't mean to cut you off. We can, we no, can... no. But I think that part of it is it could be anything, right? It could be anything that that triggers it. Or it could be uh, saw, saw your mom's sock on the floor, or a favorite color, or the song came on, or a Netflix show you watched. Right. And it's not cognitive. It's not like in the in the forefront, but it's like it's just someplace it's in, there. in there. And then it, that's what comes out. And she was living with me before she went into the hospital for yeah. the stroke. So like her stuff is here. Yeah. So like, that's even another question. I'm like, I simultaneously don't want to touch her stuff and also want to move her stuff out of the way. And I'm like, just because I'm like looking at it every day is like crap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so when someone walks in and they had a similar experience where like, Hey, you know, mom passed away, loved one, brother, sister, friend, you know, where do you start or, you know, or do you let them start? Or I just sort of rambled there for 10 minutes before we began. I probably told you were probably like making mental notes. Like got to go with that. This is coming that. No, I think that part of it is. So first and foremost, when someone comes in and they've experienced the loss and we'll talk about it through the law, through the lens of loss, because we all experience loss on, on many, many different levels. One of the things that I want to know is what the, what was the relationship like? Okay, so what who is this person to in your life? And since we're talking about PTs, if people are working in hospitals or inpatient, like they could lose a patient that they really like, and that can have some sort of impact on them and the work that they do. But for you, obviously, a very, very close relationship, but I don't make assumptions, right? Right. Because some people don't like their parents, don't like their mom, don't like their dad. So the minute they say, Oh, I lost so and so, I'm not like, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'd be like, Well, tell me a little bit about your relationship because some people might be, I'm thankful the person's gone. Obviously not the case in, in, in your scenario, but I want to know what the relationship was. And then I want to know how they passed. Right. Cause that has an impact. Okay. With how, yours, like in terms of time, like how long it like could be anything. Right. So was it, was it something like you saw coming? All right. Was it someone, this person has had cancer for, th- for five years and they've been on and off and kind of been along the ride or this person got in a car accident and died. Very, very different ways of grieving. Age. The right. person who died, how old was that individual? Right? Because if someone passes away and they're in their 90s, like a grandparent, it's like, okay, it makes sense. If it's your friend who's 24, it's, it's different. Very, very different. Right. Right. So that's going to impact how we grieve. 
So I want to know the relationship. I want to know how it happened. And then I want to know the certain things like, where are you at in your process, right? Is this something, I mean, obviously if you're coming to me to talk about it, it's probably something that you're talking about, at least with one person, let, let that be me. But like, did you attend a funeral? Did you speak at the funeral? Did you, I mean, was there, was there a burial, right? Did you carry the casket? Did you walk the casket to the grave? You know, the different religions do it in different ways. Did you said Shiva, you know, like what was your process through it? Did you witness the person die, right? For some of us, it's like we listen. I mean, I've, I don't know what they're called in the medical field, but call them death breaths, you know, the, the slow, and then it just kind of stops. Right. Right. And that kind of the gasping, like, were you there for that experience? Because that has an impact on us. Sure. So I think that I, when we're talking about grief, that, that initial thing is like, just tell me your story, kind of like what you did, right? I'm just going to let you let everything out of the, everything out of the balloon. Right. As you're telling your story. And then I'm going to ask my questions. Right? Fill, in, fill in what I didn't explain. What you didn't explain, then I want to know. Now, obviously, in your case, we talked about it. So for, for me, I mean, obviously we didn't see it coming in terms of like six months, but obviously yeah. the last three weeks, like it was like, okay, this, we know where this is going. This is stage four pancreatic cancer. We know what's going to happen here. Yeah. It's going to, we, we knew it was going to be rather quick. So yeah, I was, I was sort of, people were like, how are you going to handle this? And I'm like, well, I'm sort of handling it like every day. Like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, the first couple of days, like I was crying left and right to the point where my mom was like eye rolling at me and she's like, what are you doing? Like, stop that. And I was like, I can't, you know, couldn't help it, but, you know, it didn't necessarily got, get easier, but I think every day I showed up at, you know, seven or eight o'clock in the morning and it was like, you knew what, you, you generally knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of, that's different than if someone had a massive heart attack and, you know, or, or, or had a car accident. You know, I talked about this with a friend, our, one of our mutual friends who I will not name and, and their, one of their parents passed away instantly. And we were talking like, what's worse, what's better. And I think we ultimately were like, both suck. They're, both, mean, pretty, they're both pretty who, bad. Who cares? And I was like, if yeah. It's a, if it's a two, one of two that I know. I'm, uh, right. Both, yeah. It was like, who, who, who cares? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so, so you, you, you said a second ago, you try to figure out where the person is in that process. Yes. So what are the processes? Cause I, I've heard the stages of grief before. And then I think yeah. I heard recently that they sort of like, well, it's not really a linear process. It's more of like jumping through, jumping back and forth through areas. Yeah. So like if we go with the stages of grief that was created a very, very long time ago, and it was kind of created for people that were um, found out that they were dying essentially. Right. So and it was, then it was just applied to when the person died. All right. So the, so the first one is basically shock, right? Shock and disbelief. I can't believe this is happening. And then we go to denial. I can't believe. It. All right, it's not happening. Yeah. Then we have. Then we have some anger. Then we have some bargaining. I wish we could have that person back. And then we move to acceptance. Right. So we got the denial, the anger, the bargaining, and the acceptance. And they kind of go through that. And then, I mean, it's not like I've I've passed through the sadness stage, and now I'm moving to like the anger stage. And now I get to the part where it's the bargaining stage. It's like no. Everybody has their own process and it's kind of finding what yours is. So in that, I mean, I think I'm more looking forward, looking for instead of like what stage you're in, I think that kind of um, makes it more academic, but I just kind of want to know like what you're experiencing, right? So are you experiencing sadness? Are you experiencing anger? Because I mean, let's face it. When we look at the situation, you have a lot to be mad about, yeah. right? You were failed. You were failed by, the discharge you were failed by these people you were failed the system kind of lets us down sometimes there's an anger at our higher power whether you believe in god or whatever how could you do this to me? how could right. you do this to my mom how could you do this to someone who cared how could how could you put this person in a car accident whatever it may be so where is that anger is there anger at the self right is there any guilt at the self i shoulda coulda woulda i wish i would have known all that right. stuff because that's going to complicate it right if we're I often, I have talked with people uh, very frequently about the differences between guilt and shame, right? So Yeah, do that one again, because we've talked about that previously, and I think that's imp it's something, I, that and empathy and sympathy I yeah. go back to, because they're important to know the differences. Yeah, it's important to know the differences. So shame is I am a bad person. Guilt is I did something bad, all right? And when we're thinking about these things, it's like, well, what did you do bad? Well, I didn't know X. Okay, can you tell the future? No. Well, then... Why are you punishing yourself for having more information now? 
I often say that often we'll look back on situations and we'll be critical and hard on ourselves because we didn't know the information that we have now. It's like, well, that's not fair. Like you can't, you can't predict the future. So it's unfair for you to beat yourself up a month ago that you didn't know X, right? You know it now, but you didn't back then. So if people have guilt, I really want to dig into what did you do bad? What did you do bad that you should feel guilty about? And then how can we manage it? And sometimes it's like, all right, yeah, maybe you did that bad, but we can work through that, right? If you knew that your mom was going to pass away or your loved one was going to pass away, like, yeah, maybe you wouldn't have gotten a fight with them. But in that moment, you didn't know. Right. It's not fair to go back and beat yourself up. Right. Right. Yeah, I lucked out because she was there and she was, you know, cognitively able to communicate, still physically able to communicate. And we were able to have conversations where we were able to like hash some stuff out. Right. Like I want and I, I sort of pushed more than she did. She didn't bat an eye. Like when we were, I was, I essentially, I knew that she, it was stage four and what type for about 12 hours before I told her. Mm-hmm. And you and were the reason, one that told her? I was the one who told her. And the That's reason sick, I, there could be anger in there. Why am I the son yeah. having to tell my mom? I was okay with months. it though. I didn't want anybody else to do it. Other people might not. Yeah. So yeah. No, you, no, I can like when I'm talking to Jimmy, he's fine with that, but I'm talking, I'm talking to yeah. Jimmy. Like I was mad that a doctor did not give that news to my mom, and I had to tell well, my mom I was. Oh no, I was still mad. I was like, "Why didn't?" Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely was. Yeah, I yeah. definitely was still pissed there. Yeah. Um, and the reason I waited was I didn't want to, because originally I was before I talked to a bunch of people in my family and a bunch of other medic people that I trust medically. I was like, Monday morning, we're bringing her to an oncologist. Like we're going to seek treatment, and so I didn't want to tell her, "Hey, here's some bad news. I have no idea what's going to go on now." I think. I was like, I'm going to, here's, here's what we got. And by the way, Tuesday, you, you're going to see this oncologist and that's, that's step one. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately I talked about it with a lot of people and we decided not to seek treatment. They're like, if this is not going to be a long process, you can seek treatment. It's not going to help. We don't, it, we don't think it's going to help. Can't say yeah. anything definitively. We don't think it's going to help from what we're seeing on all the information in the scans and, and the information we have palliative care or you know hospice care is probably the best yeah Yeah. and i said that to her didn't blink like it was like okay and i think part of that was shock but i think part of that was her end right what's that shock on her end correct yeah she was sort of like okay yeah this is that's where the cuba ross comes from is like when you get that news or that shock and i believe yeah and i think part of it was also like boom that's shock that's normal a part of it was also like this is like the sixth thing in a row in six months like everything was like hey this bad thing happened that's okay we're gonna get through it and then bam another punch in the in the nose like oh another thing that's okay and i think this was like and i part of me also thinks that she knew because she knew she had some sort of cancer mm-hmm. um part of me thinks she kind of knew deep down like this ain't good yeah but she never said it and I was like, okay, so it's it's this, it's pancreatic. That's not a good that's prognosis. Not one of the areas, yeah. It's that, yeah, it's yeah. if you know, that's the crappiest or of all. I'm like, none of them are good anyway. But I was like, and it's stage four, so I was like, not this is not good. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I I was like a mess, and she was just like, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're not freaking out. I'm like, you are not shocked enough. I am in shock. How come you are? But that's just the way she dealt. So there was no, you know. Um, so what do I have coming up? What do I have to, what do I have to look forward to? Man, if I, if I had that, I would just write it down on a piece of paper and give it to you. Yeah. I think it's not what you have coming up. It's how are you managing the things that are going on for you? Right. So, I mean, you mentioned that first thing, which I think is, um, very reasonable is like, when I think of Jimmy McKay, right, there's an image that pops in my head, right? You know what the image is. The, the kind of loud, gregarious, yeah, the kind of engaging. I mean, it's the Jimmy McKay that, you know, most people listen to. They're like, oh, I know, I know what Jimmy sounds like. But like, I also know Jimmy McKay, not the person that does all this stuff. Right. right. But there's an expectation when you're out in public, when you're out in people, you have to be, I call it McKay, right? You got to go out and be McKay. Right. And sometimes that's hard to do with a 50 pound weight on your back. Right. Sometimes yeah. that's really hard to do. And I think that part of it is like, one understanding and for yourself like giving yourself grace like it's not my day today and that's fine like i don't got it today and that is completely fine and like for i think for you when i think about you in general like just 
kind of that awkwardness, right? Like the, the you mentioned the difference between empathy and sympathy, like that when you hop on a Zoom call and you get the, I always call it the side head, like, so how you doing? Yeah. How are things going for you? And like you having to manage those kind of situations. Correct. It's like, I, how much am I going to tell this? Am I, am I going yeah. to kill the vibe of the Zoom call? Exactly. There's six people and one person just said something. Now I've got to explain it to the other five. And be like, well, my mom just passed away. Yeah. Oh my God, so sorry. Thank you. The good thing was, or a good thing was, mm -hmm. because this went on, or my mom was sick for six months, and then when yeah. this happened, a lot of people reached out digitally, mm -hmm. text message, email, and that was actually cool because, and a lot of people said, I don't expect you to respond. Yeah, just thinking of you, and I, and that was great. I also. Because this is like my the probably the biggest loss I've experienced in 42, you know, my life. You know, it's your mom. Um, I didn't I underestimated the um the good vibes of someone just saying thinking about you. Like that mattered a lot. That that yeah. really did. Like, cause I've done it because you also don't know what to what do what, what do you say to someone? Mm -hmm. But yeah. someone, hey man, just thinking of you, whatever, quick text message, like that mattered a lot. Mm -hmm. That was, and that I, was pretty, that was pretty helpful. And when I think of like who I am, right. So we're friends and I have this job and I, and there's a part of me that's like, I wish I could take his pain away. I wish that I could send him something. I could say something that can take his pain away. But I know I've learned that there's not a darn thing I can say or do. that's no. going to make you feel better. Right. The only thing that I physically, physically can do is like, how you doing today? How have things been going? How did the weekend go? Yeah. And then, you know, maybe hang out sometime. I feel that's really good tactical advice for literally anybody. Anybody. Anybody in healthcare. Anybody, really. Because it's an open-ended question. And it's it's open-ended, but also specific. How are you doing today? Because, yeah. like, how are you doing is like... Take a, guess. <laughs> take, take, take a guess. <laughs> I think you can figure out I'm not, you know, my Macro, uh, not great. Uh, but, yeah, but the micro, it's like, hey, today's pretty good. And I think when someone asks that question and you get to think about it for a second, actually, you know, today wasn't that bad. You know what? Today's pretty good. I'm thinking the last three days were really bad. Today, not that bad. I'm doing okay. Um, so that's a good point, which is open-ended questions, which get me talking, which is the point, right? Like, yeah. you're not looking for an answer. You're really looking for, like, to open some space for the other person to talk. Yeah. I just want conversation. Right. Right. Cause, and I think that sometimes that people that are, that have experienced a loss, they're like, when you say, how are you doing? And you leave it that it's always going to be awful, but you make yeah. a good point. Like it, you know what? Today's not bad. And if we can start to see like today's not bad, then maybe we get to have a couple right. not bad days. We're going to have bad days. Right. right. But if we look at the overarching, like how things been going, well, if you think of the past six months, pretty awful, but like, you know what? It wasn't too bad. I got to hang out. I got to hang out with some friends today, or I had a good meal. Went for a went for a run. You know, whatever maybe. You want to talk about guilt a little bit too? So I pretty much was was with my mom twelve hours a day for the yeah. first I would say week and a half, two weeks of her last you know three three and a half weeks, four weeks. I mean, I was there from seven a.m. to two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning, whatever. I was just there by her bed doing whatever. Um, and then my family flew to town. Once I was like, listen, we know how this is going to go. My two aunts flew in from out of state. My grandmother, who's 97, is a beast. She was like, I'm wow. on an airplane. She hasn't flown in, in a long time. She was like, I'm flying. Let's go. They fly in. My uncle drives in. It was it was, it was good, also stressful, but yeah. also good. And you want to talk about guilt. The first day my aunt came and did like a, a two-hour shift, and I went to lunch. Mm. I literally, I was like, I was robbing a bank. Yeah. I was like, I shouldn't be here. I should not be sitting here eating a sandwich. And then they were like, I'll be here for two hours. You leave for two hours, come back. And I think I was out for like 35 minutes. And I was like getting the, like, what time is it? Do I have to go back? Do I have to go back? Is it okay? Is it okay? Can is I do it okay? This? Is it okay? Yeah. You're like, if I'm not there and something happens, I'll never forgive myself. Or what is my, it was also like, what is my mom thinking? Why, how come I'm not there? What's his deal? Why doesn't, why is he not here right now? Why, what's he doing? Is he? out having fun i'm i'm here so there was a lot of stuff that goes into that so that was something i did not expect yeah and i think that part of it like like i would get back to is like what did you do wrong you went out and got a sandwich right no person in the, in the free world would be like can't get a sandwich right and i, I always often tell people like are we thinking for another person 
right? So what was my mom thinking? Ask her. Mom, you might right. if, if I go get out for two hours, right? Yeah, fine. All right. We're good. Yeah. Right? Let's ask, in this case, I'm usually, a, you know, ask for forgiveness instead of permission sort of guy. Right, right, right. But there are sometimes it's good to ask for permission. Is it all right, right if I go outside? Especially if we have a high propensity of guilt. And then the and, last. And every time she was like, yeah, go. Yeah. Or we like one in the morning and she'd be like, you're falling asleep. Go home. And I'm like, yeah, okay. If you want. Yeah. And then the, the if something happened, I would never live with myself. Right. right. I, hear this, I hear this a lot. And that's the idea of like, well, if something doesn't happen, you're okay. Right. So you go out, you had a bunch of sandwiches, nothing bad happened. But because you can't predict the future. Then it's like, well, I'm going to beat myself up for not knowing this right. time when I went out for a sandwich, you know, the worst was going to happen. So no right answer here, but I have, you know, close friends, family who have, you know, people pass away. I've been to the traditional, I'm, I, you know, was raised Catholic. So mm -hmm. there's the, there's the wake process yep. where people will sit around. Sometimes there's a, a body, sometimes there's a casket, sometimes it's open, sometimes it's closed. Mm -hmm. And we sort of stand around and there's, there's different degrees of it. Sometimes it's just kind of everybody milling about. Sometimes there's a receiving line where the family stands there and people will come up and pay their respects one at a time. Yep. Um, we didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. We didn't do the wake. We didn't do a traditional funeral. Even though we were raised Catholic, we sort of, you know, weren't practicing Catholics for a yes. long time. And towards the end, I was sitting there. I didn't talk about it with my mom because, I don't know, I, I didn't want to like, so what would you like at your how would you like a funeral like i just didn't i just didn't want to yeah, yeah. i'm like not, she ain't not gonna an easy be conversation not an easy right. conversation right and if you look at it like the funeral is to pay respects for the person who's passed away but like it is it's for the people who are still yeah. there right? it's also a very supportive environment for the right to celebrate so we, but also support right and so that was the word that we went with which was celebrate so we did we went to like a local venue and we did you know a bunch of food, a bunch of drink. I know this is going to shock a lot of you, but a bunch of drinks. Shocking. No one, no one so there was the I, there was the you know Irish funeral aspect of the after funeral because then, then there's the funeral. Of course, I skipped that, and then there's the after funeral party, which usually is in a pub. We just skipped all that, and we just said we're gonna. So we did slideshows. My brother does party DJing on the side, so we had buddies do you know big screen around the room slideshows. A couple people spoke. Uh, I was one of them. And I actually wrote what I said about my mom about an hour after she died. Uh, I was kind of sitting there waiting for the whole process to whatever happens next after someone died. You know, what do we do? Got to call the whoever, funeral director. And I just wrote a few, like, a, like ones. I just said, tell this story. And then it was, you know, a little bit like uh, just a bunch of sentiments in a row. And to me, that felt, oh, and by the way, so our mutual friend Brian came and he walked in and it was like a hot day. It was like 90 degrees and it was outdoor. We tried to keep it outdoors uh, in a tent and he was wearing pants. And I was like, Ooh, that is a bold move. That is a raw. That is, he's like my wife, Lauren. He's like, Lauren made me wear pants. I was like you could have shot me a text message. My friend, I would have saved you from three hours of sweating, sweaty knees there. That is, that is a that long was, day for him. It's a long day for pants, <laughs> but that was the vibe we wanted. And some people sort of, like didn't push back, but some people like, are you sure you're not going to do, are you going to regret being formal? And I thought about it and I was like, no, I'm not like, it didn't cross my mind. I appreciated someone. Hey, maybe pump the brakes on this and think I did. And I looked at my brother and I was like, this is your mom too. And he was like, mom would have, and the, 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 the thing that sealed the deal was mom would have hated that. Like yeah. she would be miserable if she knew we were standing around wearing black suits, sweating, and shaking hands and you feel awkward and I feel awkward. Like my mom, big personality. I know that shocks a lot of you too, where I came from, but like would have hated that. And it, it super wasn't her. Um, so yeah, we did like a party. I wore, you know, a button down, like nice, nice shirt, but I wore some shorts and flip. I did flip flops. Like I was leaving the house that day and I was like, Oh, I should do nice sneakers. And I was like, it's 90 degrees outside. My mom lived in flip flops until it snowed in New York. Like didn't care. <laughs> And I'm like, this is the ultimate, if we're paying respects, this is to me, all these little subtle nods are paying respects. So 
I said, I think on the, you know, the Facebook post and the invite that I sent, I'm like, you know, we're going to have, we're going to tell some stories. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to have some smiles, a couple of tears, but you know, no frowns and we'll hug it out. Mm-hmm. So it felt good. Yeah. Um, and then of course you have that like hangover afterwards, literal and figurative, which is like, oh, like now it's done. Now the crowd is left and the hugs and the cards and the flowers have stopped. It's like, oh, now it's time to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the, one of the hardest readjustment times. And I, I always say, I mean, I try when I, someone I know passes away, like I'll check in after like a week, I'll check yeah. in after a month, right? Cause there's this huge rush of like, I'm sorry, people reach out. You get a bunch of different things They give me hugs and all this stuff. You know, people come down and visit you. Yep. And then after a month, like we return to our lives, right? We, we yep. have to go back. We have to go to our jobs. We have to take care of our families. We have to go back to school. And that person is still dealing with that loss. Yep. Right. And there might be expectations like come back, do what you need to do, get over it. Right. Yeah. You always hear people say, well, you, you've mourned long enough. You've grieved long enough. It's All like, right. hold on. You don't get to decide how you long. Have no I idea. For. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I recommend to people who have had that in their life, just check in a month, you know, and especially one of the things that I, I always highlight is for you and for others, like anniversaries, right? So Thanksgiving is going to be hard this year, right? Christmas is going to be hard this year, yeah. right? Your birthday, probably pretty hard this year. Yep. Your mom's birthday is going to be real our, hard. Our birthday's year. tomorrow. I've been yeah. thinking about that all freaking week. I was like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah. So tomorrow is going to be a hard day. Yeah. So what do you, so then. I would ask, what are you going to do to take care of yourself tomorrow? And it's very individual for very, for very different people. Yeah. But you're probably, you're asking that to make sure I'm not just sitting around like with my hands down and defenseless, like, Hey, let's, what if we thought about it a little bit? Are you going to do something or maybe nothing, but maybe think about it. Yeah. And doing nothing is an okay thing. Yeah. 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 Right. But it's like, let's be mindful of like tomorrow is probably going to be a hard day. Right. So, What do you want to do? I want to sit around and watch Netflix all day. Fine. Sounds good. Where I want to go to the gravesite and you know throw some flowers on there, pay my respects. Awesome. Right. If someone's like, I'm gonna go get blackout drunk, I'd be like, maybe we could do something else. Maybe right. we could do something a little bit different. Because that once again, like it's gonna be a hard day, but on the 23rd, you're gonna wake up with a pretty nasty hangover. Right. Right. And then like the, the problem still exists. So what are the anniversaries? What are the times that might come up for you? Maybe it's like a day that the two of you celebrate or celebrate it with someone. Like, what are the anniversaries going to be harder than obviously the anniversary of the death, right? Or the anniversary of when you found out, or the anniversary she had a stroke in your eye, whatever it may be, right? But I think you that there's be. going to be things, and I think for people, there's going to be triggers, right? So, you said you found your mom on a bathroom floor, right? Yeah. You walking into that bathroom, if you start to well up with tears, you're not going, I don't get why I'm so upset right now. It's probably because a month ago you found your mom on the floor there. Right. right. So I think that part of it is like giving ourselves a grace and giving ourselves the space to go, I'm sad. Let me think about why I'm sad as opposed to dismissing it and even kind of chastising ourselves. Right. Why am I upset about this? Doesn't I don't know why I'm upset. Well, let's take a second to think about it. And then probably there's a reason. And then being able to be like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense why I'd be sad right now. Right. Saw the socks, saw a shirt, it's her birthday, Christmas coming up. Jeez. Yeah. Something like that. Something for me, which um, actually added stress because you don't prepare for these things, right? You never do, which was so many people asking, what can I do? That's a tough one. Yeah. And that's great because it's like so many people are asking (laughs) me what to do. I have no idea what I need to do. I have no idea how to delegate to you what I could delegate to you. So I felt, and then I, then you feel guilt on that, that you're not taking people up on the offer. Yeah. I think that part of that's very difficult because like we're, we're in a state of shock most of the time. Right. So it's like, we, we are just trying to muster enough energy to get up and do the things that we know we need to do to get through the day and thinking about stuff on top of that, like up here, I mean, it's all cloudy, right? We don't know what's going on. There's just a, there's just a fog that we're trying to get through. So then you had to put pressure on and be like, well, what can I do? I have and be like, just check in, just check in. That's and, but, but like other things like, like literal task oriented things like, Hey, like 
my mom had a, a, you know, my mom has a car that she's leasing and one of our friends worked at the dealership. He's like, what can I do? Do you want me to take your mom's car back? Or like, I'll get, I'll get the lease, you know, you know, killed. Don't worry, don't worry about it. We'll take the lease away. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Or her cell phone, like, like stuff, like, like administrative stuff. Yes. Like, you're not even like, dude, my head's not even there that now in the hangover a week after the memorial, you're like, my dad today was like, what, we got to start doing stuff. What, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I lit- can't tell you that I have literally not thought about it once until you just mentioned it, but I have to eventually, or it's going to, you know, it'll snowball. Yeah. And I think the part of it is just what's the smallest thing that we can do. Right. So what's the one small thing that we can do? Like, yeah. and what's the one that, and when I say do, I don't mean an administrative task. I mean, like, when I think about facing this thing and the emotions that might be tied to it, can I do this thing? So maybe it starts out with, I'm just going to create a list of the administrative tax tasks that I think need to be done. And yeah. I'm going to do my list and that's it. Right. Good. I've done my administrative list tests. And then it's like, well, I got to think about like, what am I going to do with her clothes? That's going to be a big one. Yeah. Right. That's going to be like, what am I going to do with the uh, stuff you mentioned? Right. Stuff. I got to go through this stuff. I got to take a look at it. I got to determine what I'm keeping. What I'm keeping for myself. What I'm giving to my brother. You know, that's way too much. I can't do that. Yeah. It's on a list of like stuff I should probably get to, but I'm going to create a list of like, these are the administrative tasks. And then the ones I can do on that day, I'll start to tick off. Right. So we already got the offer. Let's take care of the lease. Asking how much, how much mental energy am I going to have to expend on this? None. Right. Go do your thing. But what what types of things do I need to do? And then making sure we can do the things both from an administrative, but also like internal. Yeah. I'm glad the American healthcare system makes uh, things so easy, though. Yes. They uh, did make it so – got to get like, in trouble because I work in the American healthcare I mean, so system. do I, sort of. <laughs> but like it's like it's so – there's so many people not talking to each other and whatnot. It's like I stopped opening the envelopes because like, I don't even know what this is. I saw this is a bill. This is this is not a bill. I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? What am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing with this. So that one's like an administrative task. This is a bill pile. This is not a bill pile. Yeah. And then we just let the piles go. Yeah. And we don't have to look at them. Just sort of. How do you know when someone's not doing well? Like, what are some telltale signs when when someone's either someone that you know personally or someone that you've seen professionally? What are some things that people should look out for if they're in the middle of this? Okay, so I would say one of the biggest ones is like complete withdrawal, right? So staying in the house, not going, if we're talking about students, not going to class, um, isolating from friends, all that stuff. Big changes in behavior, right? So if the idea of, so like if I text you and I don't hear back for like a week, uh, I'm going to check in again, right? Because I mean, you're pretty good. We usually get back to each other within a day or something. Day like or that. Two, it was like seven yeah. days. It's like some might be up. Or I'm gonna check and see, like, hey, were you doing something? Because you might be out of the country, right? right. Maybe it's took a took a vacation for yourself. But withdrawal is a big one. And then I think also sometimes there's like perseveration on death, right? We're, we start to worry about ourselves, we start to worry about other people, like oh, I got a pain right here. I'm, I'm right. probably dying, sort of thing. Um, or you know what. Uh, so-and-so isn't looking so good. Or we start to think about the people that we have living in our life that are, that are all there. Like, so that becomes a, a perseveration. Uh, the guilt, if the guilt's starting to eat away, the regret, um, if people aren't sleeping, right. Or they're sleeping a lot more than they used to. Big one changes in eating habits, you know, eating more, eating less activity levels. So if, I mean, you're obviously a person who does a lot of exercise. If it's like, I haven't gotten a Peloton or I haven't done anything in a couple of weeks. I might ask a question there, right? And then the the big one, um, and sometimes like people have complaints about like, oh, this hurts and this hurts and this hurts, and just like more body aches and stuff like that because really sitting in their body. I mean, if people are drinking a lot more, yeah, um, I can or, easily see that. Yeah, or they're doing stuff that they don't typically do, right? So maybe they're using substances, maybe they're hypersexual, maybe they're gambling a lot more, maybe they're just doing those things for those little highs to avoid because i think the most important thing is like this is a painful thing whenever we experience a loss whether it's a family member whether it's a friend or whether it's a patient that we're really close to there's pain there 
And if we're constantly avoiding the pain, like it's just going to, we're just kicking a can down the road. Right. right? And then what other things might I recognize? If that cognitive cloudiness that I talked a little bit about, like if that's lasting a longer than we want to, um, if we're notice we're more anxious in certain situations, I think that's that's one. Loss of control, I think, is a big one. Like, I feel like, like I don't control any. Like the uh, idea of I can't control anything, right? right and that's right, crippling right. to me. I often, I often um, characterize it. There's actually been a lot of uh, uh, shootings down here in Philadelphia lately with people. And a couple of those people that I work with have been at the sites where the shootings went up. And they're like, I, I just can't go outside. I can't be in, in, in these areas anymore. And I'll tell people like the big bad can happen at any time. I characterize it as a big bad. I think we all walk around in this bubble, right? The big bad can happen every time your bubble just got burst. Right. So like our parents are most likely going to pass before we do. And we really don't think about it that often, but once it, that bubble burst, now we're thinking about everything. Right. How's my, how's my old man feeling? Or even me, like when your mom passed away, I was like, how are my parents doing? Right. Like, cause I don't, it's not on my mind. So once our bubble gets burst, once the big bad enters our life like that, how much are we thinking about that all the time? My, uh, in the middle of all this, when my mom had the stroke, I don't want to go back, but I want to go back. Uh, my dad comes over. My parents were divorced since I was like 11 or 12. My dad comes over on a Monday morning to my house right. and he's like, Hey, listen, you know, your mom and I are divorced, but you know, she's been a part of my life since they met in middle school. She's your mom and I'm here for you. And whatever's going to happen, like you're not alone. And I was like, this is great. This is like at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And I was going to see my mom later on that day when, so this is post stroke still in, still in the hospital. My dad, we hug it out. Great. You're not, you're not, you're not alone. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He goes home. He calls me an hour later. Where are you? I'm still at home. I'm, oh, I'm still at my house. And he goes, you have a house? And I'm like, now I just bought my house like nine months ago. <laughs> nine months is hard to forget. Right. And, he, and he's been there. And, he, and he, he was here when I saw the house. He has helped me paint things. He's, he was here that morning. And then I go, what? And then he's like, I think I fell. And I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm like, when it rains, it pours. So I'm literally like on the phone to my ear. I'm like, okay, do not go anywhere. I need you to sit down, like driving to his house, texting my brother. I'm like, you have to go visit mom. Cause I'm taking dad. So what happened was he slipped and fell, hit his head, little concussion. And I'm like, well, why not? Well, right. So you mentioned like thinking about how everybody else is doing. Yeah. I'm looking at, you know, dad going, Hey man, maybe we don't wear flip flops on wet floors. I need you in a bubble right now. <laughs> Wrap yourself up, bro. I can't, I can't take one more. Like I can't. One of you at a time. Be doing this. One I can't. Go to two. But that was fun. Yeah, and I, I mean, each of us grieves in our own way, right? Because grief is the internal experience we have, and mourning is kind of the process that we go through with that grief. Say, so say that again. Grief's internal. Mourning is the overall process. It's the external, yeah. So where, like, what, what, what are the grief feelings that you're experiencing? How are you mourning? What types of things are you doing? People do different things to mourn. And there's different, there's different tasks, but I think a lot of it is like allowing yourself when you can to experience what you're experiencing. Don't, don't hide it. You know, I think that some people often, especially when we're talking about grief, um, they're like, if I allow myself to feel sadness, right? I'm going to end up in a puddle on the floor in a fetal position, and I'm not going to be able to get back up again. I can't do this to myself. So I'm just going to engage in avoidance behaviors, whatever right. avoidance behaviors that I choose to engage in. Where it's like, yeah, it's going to be painful because it's a painful thing, but let's learn to manage it. All right? right. And let's learn to experience that pain and get through that pain, whatever it may be. And then we kind of readjust to life with this. I hate this term and I don't know why I use it, but I guess I had half a beer. I think I had a third of a beer. Um, the new normal. Yeah, I hate yeah. it, but it's just like I have to readjust to what life looks like now. Right. Okay? And what and what that means for me. Well, the new normal is constantly happening, but I think when you exactly. lose someone, especially they're close, it's it's such a big change that it's like, oh man, like I mean, there's a couple times when I was like, something happened over the last week, and you do you. For, I forgot my mom died. Like for hop, you know, I'm doing something. I remember being like, oh, I should text my mom. I haven't texted my mom in a while. I'm like, oh, d- oh yeah. 
that's why you can't text your mom. So it's like you you are adjusting, and then when it hits you, it's like a sledgehammer to the chest, man. And in those moments, it's providing grace. It's a bit. It's it's knowing like not beating ourselves up. I can't I can't believe I didn't know my mom was dead. Right, 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 right. It's like that's okay. Yeah, I do say it out loud though. I'm like, oh my gosh, like wow, that happened. Like yeah. it's almost like that happened. Because mm-hmm. like you said, that mental cloudiness. It feels like the last month, three months, six months was like like a barrage of me going to every, you know, four different hospitals and a bunch of different doctors and just being like, are we still doing this? It's like, wow, that, that happened. That all that actually happened. Yeah. And when does this end? Right. Cause when you mentioned, you're like, I hit one, then I got two. We're going to three. We got four, four. That is, that is unheard of. So and what we like, think, when does this beating stop? Like, right. When we stop beating over the head. So instead of so my 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 cousin who's an NP and I were talking about this uh cuz she's very logical and I'm like this is crazy right I mean this is like what are the odds and she goes cuz I'm like four random things and obviously like the PE and the stroke are probably closely related yeah probably probably connect I mean obviously so it's not really, so it's like it's like a couple of crazy things we think the myopathy was in fact a crazy thing so she was taking statins for years got the myopathy that's an insane million to one shot right one of the treatments she got for that to stop her muscles from atrophying, like she couldn't even hold a paperback anymore. She couldn't hold her head up was um, IVIG intravenous immunoglobulin. And that is like, because what they thought what she was having was an uh, autoimmune gotcha. and that wipes out your immune system because your immune system is the problem at that point. Yeah. So my cousin was like, listen, I didn't want to say this before, but like my thought process was she had the myopathy crazy thing. The IVIG eliminated her immune system the cancer was probably already there it accelerated it which is where it came from and that was our thought like oh got it mm-hmm. and then one of the red flags or something that happens to the body when you are have active cancer is uh clotting so it's like okay so you got a, my- a myopathy and a cancer and now you're seeing the now it looks like two crazy things and not four or five or six crazy yeah. things in the mat. And she was like, I didn't want to talk to you about this before because, yeah, I didn't want to throw what, you know, who needs to talk about that? I'm like, I'm, honestly, that made me feel, I was like, understanding it made me feel a little better. It was like, okay, I can see this process now. It wasn't six bad cards dealt. It was like two or two random, you know, two things that happened and one sped the other one up. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that level of understanding helps, right? It helps me. And I think that. And I, you make an excellent point. I can help you because like you're an academic, right? So sometimes it helps to look at it from an academic sense and you, your cousin, your cousin, makes cousin, that right? point. like some people don't want to hear that. And she knew like, that. Right. She's like, I don't know. The end of the story. The end of the story is I lost someone I cared about like that. I don't care about random, not random, whatever it may be. Right. So once for some people, it's like knowing your audience, right? Bingo. That's well, a huge, that's a huge, huge communication point, which is like, and she's like, and she's known me my whole life, but she's like, I didn't really know where you were going to read this. And, and she's like, I didn't think it would help. Yeah. I mean, so I, she's like, it's not going to change anything. So she waited a while and I was like, that's okay. Yeah. And I think that you also have to be in a place to hear, right? Correct. Because the day after this happens, like, what do I care? No. Four random things or two random things. Like, what do I care? Yeah. But I think that as we move further away, it's like, well, how is this random? Okay. It's not. All right. I get it. It doesn't change the ending. Correct. But it helps to have a level of understanding because you're also the type of person who likes to figure out the puzzle. Right. right? So it's like, all right, these pieces, I got these four pieces. How do they fit together? Oh, this is how they fit together. Yeah. But it's knowing your audience. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else we didn't cover like on this or any big things? That was kind of what I wanted to talk about, what I've been thinking about. I mean, I feel like... So let me let me make sure we hit everything right. So, from an academic, from an academic standpoint, the big points. We talked about what loss is. We talked about what we might experience as we as we lose someone, right? Sadness, anger, all that stuff. We talked about things to watch out for. I think I don't know if we touched on like what to do, right? So what like what types of things can we do? To help our sales feel better. Like we did not touch on that, correct? I don't think so. I don't think so. So yeah. So one of the things I think we need to 
to do is kind of the opposite of what we were talking about, right? So make sure we're reaching out to others, all right? You have an excellent support system around you, and it's making sure that you tap into that support system, however it may be. And I think that part of it is like, use it in the way that you find most beneficial, right? So if it's going to one person, awesome. If it's smattering around 10, fine. Make sure, and when I'm saying you, I'm not talking about you specifically, um, but the idea of like, don't feel like you're a burden, right? People get to tell you if you're a burden. If they don't tell you you're a burden, but a lot of people that I'll deal with are like, yeah. I can't talk about this stuff because I'm going to be a burden to someone else. You don't know that, right? Ask the person ahead of time. Is it okay if I talk to you about this? If they say yes, they have given you informed consent and you can go, whatever you have, right? So making sure that we're relying on our support network. And if you don't feel like you can rely on your support network, come talk to someone like me, all right? Or go talk to someone. There's a bunch of different support groups you know, specifically related to people that have experienced loss in any sort of way. They're very helpful if that's your thing, right? Some people don't want to talk in a group. Fine. Some people can do it amongst their friends. Fine. Some people come to talk to people like me. Fine. Whatever it is, get it out. Don't let it just sit and fester because it's not going to go anywhere. And some people, like, maybe I don't want to talk to anybody. Fine. Write it down in a journal. Write a song about it. You know, make a poem. Do some poetry. Whatever it may be, right? Do some whatever it is to get it out. All right. Draw a picture. That's one of the big ones. Like do a painting. If painting's your thing, if art's your thing, get it out that way. Best way to get it out is get it out. And then making sure that for the individual, making sure that we don't run away from those feelings. Okay. And engage in the things that we can engage in. Okay. So yeah, you might not be able to run your 26.2 miles, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it at all. Right. Go Mm -hmm. out, do 10, do three, do one get out and do something yeah making sure that we're continuing to engage in life the way at our pace provide ourselves grace right because those triggers are going to come up we don't know when they're going to come up but they're going to come up and say it's okay not punishing ourselves for i'm upset i don't know why listen you know why you experienced a loss you might not be able to pinpoint why that moment but it could be a bunch of different things that you don't even realize right here in the back that's why it's coming up yeah but I think that I think that those are the things that are that are. It's almost like looking at what the things you shouldn't do and kind of work on doing the inverse of that. But it doesn't mean like you can't go out and drink, right? It doesn't mean you can't go out and celebrate with people. But if you're drinking and you're blackout drunk all the time, not a good idea. Not a great strategy. Not a great strategy. I always tell people, I do. I used to do college orientations uh, for eighteen to twenty-two year olds. And I used to say, like, listen, if you go out on a Friday night and you just go out to get drunk to drink your problems away, you're going to wake up on Saturday morning and you might have more. You're going to have a headache. And depending on what you did, you might have more problems to begin with. So we don't want to make sure we're not drinking our problems our way. Jamie, dropping bombs for the kids. Hey, you know what? It usually usually got to laugh. Awkward laugh. Yeah, but at least it plants the seed, which is like if Jamie goes up there and goes, don't drink at all. It's like these are college kids. They're going to do or not do what they were going to do regardless of you. But if you can plan a little inception idea like, oh, yeah, it's a good point. Maybe I should get my stuff squared up. Then I can go out to the shed and have a couple of beers or something like that. (laughs) That 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 is a blow. That doesn't even exist anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. Where we met. Yeah. Hanging out doesn't even exist anymore. Good times, though. All right, let me do a sponsor because I was like, how do I slip a sponsor into like this super up happy episode? Like this is like buzzkill. Like, but now we can because now we're goofing about an old bar. Um, On average, a private practice who joins the physical network grows more than 40%. If you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to injury uh, industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. Physical franchise. Dot com. Uh, instead of doing three questions, I thought we'd do like a resource, a book. I think I we mentioned this the other day. Like, just where would you send someone if someone was like, "Hey, I I know someone going through this, or I'm going through this." What's I mean? You mentioned. I mean, it might even just be. I didn't even think to think of like a Facebook group or a support group. I didn't yeah. even think about that. So I think if we're looking for books, um, there's a guy by the name of David Kessler. He's written a bunch of different books. I think those are helpful because like when we think about grief and loss, so if we're going to take it from 30,000 feet, right? It could be a variety of different things, right? Like if someone breaks up with us, that's sad. And that's something we need to grieve. 
right? Someone passes away. If we have a miscarriage, right? There's a lot of different ways that people, or a lot of different events in people's lives um, that can cause grief that we have to mourn and work through. And I think this guy does a good job. He's got his uh, website. Um, I don't get any money for talking about him, so don't worry about it. Um, but I think he talks about grief in a variety of different ways, which I think is pretty good. And then, I mean, I think that there's a lot of stuff out there. Like if you Google uh, tasks of grief, you'll come up with like 10 different resources. Yeah. Or something big. But I would say Kessler does the best job on books. Katie gave me a book. I didn't read it. Like I sat, I was like, I have a lot of time. I'm sitting here. My mom is sleeping like eight hours a day. I brought a book every day. And I think I read like four, four pages and I read the same four pages like 11 times. Yeah. But, Which also, okay. Right. I was like, I've been crushing these books. I'm like, I've read this. I've read four pages, 11 times. I got nothing. But it was, she, she was is a close friend of ours. She was like, this helped me a lot. If you're going to read something and you want, you're in the mood, this was it. It's called the four things that matter most. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, Dr. Ira Bayok. And it's like, it's been around for 10 years, apparently, because she gave me the 10th anniversary edition. And everybody that I've talked to about it is like, oh, no, that's great. Read it now or later doesn't matter. And I was like, well, it's going to have to be later because I ain't doing a whole lot of now. But yeah. I'll, I'll report. Maybe I, we have a book club. Maybe I'll make that book club. Yeah, I think that's probably a good one. I mean, for grief specifically, I'd go Kessler more than anybody else. But okay. I think because grief is so personal, um, and we all do it in our own different ways, it's hard to be like, this is what you should do. Like, well, my brother and I were reacting so differently. And my brother and I also are so different. Um, and people were like, are you okay with that? And I, like, my brother was out playing golf. And people are like, oh, my God, that's so messed up. And I'm like, it's not. I'd rather him out on the golf course. He's doing he's doing his thing. And then he comes, you know, he either stops by before he goes golfing, sees my mom for a half hour, and then he dipped. And my mom knows exact. my mom knew. I was like, Matt's going golfing. And she goes, like, great. Like, she was not like, why is he not here sitting by my bed? Like, Jimmy was the, 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 the it was like a perfect representation of our personalities. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, we all manage in our own different ways. Yeah, and we just got to find our way and making sure that it's not negative coping mechanisms. Right. Yeah. He was out just, he was like, I'm going to go play golf. I go, great. I mean, a lot of people use golf as. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's, if you play 18 holes, it's four hours of you being in nature trees and having time to think about things. Yeah. If you I walk, I walk through the woods a lot while I'm playing golf to look for my ball. You do look, you do go through a lot of woods. <laughs> a lot of times I just hit it. I'm like never finding that one. Yeah, That's it. That's it. We're just going to drive up and I'm we'll, drop we'll find real and the real nice grass over here. <laughs> um, so yeah. So anyway, the four things that matter most was something that was uh, impressed upon me. Um, I didn't do, uh, see, I'm like rusty dude. I mean, it's okay, buddy. Rusty. Um, uh, our friends at Jackson Therapy Partners, if you're looking for just to do what you do, but do it where you want to do it. Travel, physical therapy. Uh, Jackson Therapy Partners, uh, a friend of a show. Just talk to those guys. They were really nice uh, and send some condolences as well. Last thing we do, Jamie, though, is the parting shot. That's brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt. Dot org leaders in orthopedic physical therapy uh new courses out on treating headaches migraines do you treat everybody with uh with headaches they went in depth on that also the crossfit athlete a nice three video course available now at orthopt.org so a parting shot what would you leave with people like what's this you know the the sentiment you'd want to leave with people about this grief and loss um this is a tough one right yeah so, as i was thinking about it because we talked a little bit about it I think my uh, parting shot when I think about it is first and foremost, I'm honored that you chose me to come back to talk with. I, 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 um, I realize that's very special and I, and I take that honor and I, I'm very thankful for it. But I think that I, I got two. Okay. Right? So one, if you've experienced the loss, I just said, and I've said it a bunch of times, give yourself grace, right? You've experienced something that's painful, that's hard, and you being hard on yourself for going through it is making a situation worse, right? So take your time, take what you need. You're not going to return back to the person that you used to be right away. You might get there or you know what? You might get to 96. That's fine. Yeah. I'll take McKay for the rest of my life at 96. That's going to be it's a good time. Hot 96. It's going to be a hot, <laughs> <laughs> hot 96, but give ourselves grace along the way. And, 
if you're around a person who's experienced the loss and it's like, I don't know what to say to make this person feel better. That's a big you, one. You can't. Can't. There's nothing take it you away. can say. There's nothing you can do. It's going to take it away. The most important thing is just be there, check in on how they're doing and making sure that that doesn't go away. Right. So making sure that, yeah, being there for the week after is awesome. Being there a month after is really good too. Right. Yeah. But I think that that's what causes those awkward moments. Like I said, those side headbands of how you doing sort of thing. It's because people believe like there's something I must be able to say that's going to make this person feel better. I just can't think of it. Yeah. If you take that off yourself, it's there's out. nothing you can say that's going to make it feel better. Just ask, you know, how are you doing today? If you need anything, let me know. Not what can I do for you? If you need anything, right. you got my phone number, right? Yep. You can text me, whatever it may be, but don't put pressure on yourself for something you're not going to be able to fix. Yeah. Like even as a psychologist and my close and a close friend of mine has a loss. I know there's not a darn thing I can do that's going to make it pass except for, hey, check in with you. And you know what? We're going to get together sometime and we're going to have a good time. Yep. I like that. Uh, Dr. Jamie Hagenbaugh, appreciate the uh, the time. And uh, thanks for being there throughout and doing literally practicing what you preached. And it was, it was great. It was, uh, it was helpful and it was good to know. And a lot of people did that, you know, who are not professionals. And that is a great help. Seek those people out, take them up on it. Like I had a lot of friends who were like, had to ask me three or four times. And I was like, all right, fine. You can, if you can bring me lunch, I haven't eaten in six hours. They're like, why are you waiting so long? Like, what are you doing? But lean on those people especially the people that you would do it for them i would say that because a lot of people are like i will do it i'm not going to show up unannounced but like if you need a dude like ask i'm 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 here and, and it, it's a tribute to you right like you've the relationship that you've built have put those in so like you've right. done some very nice work to build a heck of a support system for yourself which is right. which is you and you only my friend right all right well thanks for this this was a good you had to have the icebreaker there's got to be a first episode back and it's like okay exactly. now we can begin to exhale and i can do other goofy stuff and and whatever and we can we can move on well i would like i said uh, it was truly an honor when you reached out and like let's do this and i was let's like i don't know what it's gonna look like but i will definitely be on board Who knows? <laughs> and that's the one thing you need from me when i say what do you need i'll do that i'll do that all right they say the best conversations happen at happy hour Thanks for coming ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology as well as a Neurologic OT Fellowship, a Competitive OMPT Fellowship, and a Speech Therapy Clinical Fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPintCast.com Created by BuildPT BuildPT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs From website development and hosting Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country See what BuildPT can do for you today at BuildPT.com The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.